Good morning, Living Hope Baptist Church. So we have finished our study through Colossians. We looked last week uh, just briefly at the book of Philemon. And this week we're going to start through a new book of the Bible. We're going to be looking at the letters of John. And so that is 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And so if you're uh, at home watching, then I'd encourage you to turn your Bible to the book of 1st John. That's where we're going to be starting. Uh, before we kind of dive into our actual text, though, I think it may be helpful just to talk a little bit about the background um, of this letter. So 1 John was written by the Apostle John, the same man who wrote the Gospel of John. And he writes this letter in the late 1st century. And at this point in history, Gnosticism uh, is uh, that, that heresy that we talked about in our study through Colossians uh, is now in full swing it's a, it's a heresy that denies the humanity of Jesus, among many other errors in misunderstanding who Jesus is and misunderstanding the, the Christian life. And so this epistle is in part written to reaffirm who Jesus is and combat those ideas, those false ideas of Gnosticism. And so as we will see this morning, John will give us some doctrinal truths about the person of Jesus Christ Gnosticism came with it and sort of an elitist attitude uh, and, a, a, and almost a, just a lack of love for other people. And this attitude began to, to impact the church. And so John wants to address both the, the doctrinal side as well as the personal side. He, he wants to guard them from error and he wants to make sure that, that they are living out the Christian faith in love. They are loving each other and loving God by, by being obedient to him. As we look through the introduction of this book, we will get to see some of the themes that John is going to, 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 to talk about throughout the remainder of the letter. And so let's read together 1 John 1, 1 through 4. And John really is going to get just right to the point. We're going to notice that there's no traditional greeting at the beginning of this letter. He really gets right to the heart of what he wants to tell the church. And so this prologue it really sets up the rest of the letter, and so it's going to serve as a good introduction for us to know what to look for and how we ought to study this letter together. So 1 John 1, 1 through 4, let's read this together. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life that was made manifest. And we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Let's pray together. God, would you help us during this time as we study these four verses, study the prologue, the introduction of this letter, help us understand uh, the, the themes that, that we're going to be looking at over the coming uh, couple months as we study this letter. God, would you guide us in our study, even though we are not physically together, God, would you um, help us still be able to experience fellowship of, of knowing that, that we are studying this together. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. 
when Sarah and I were shopping for a home, uh, we toured a home in Fort Thomas that we really liked. It was in our price range. It, it had a fenced-in backyard. It had enough space for us to, to live in and grow as a family. But we noticed something when we went into the basement. There was this large crack that was along the entire wall and, and the basement. And, and Mike Spicer, our, our realtor, told us that that meant most likely that there was a foundation problem with the home. The strength of a building lies in its foundation. The main purpose of the foundation is to to hold the structure above it and keep it upright. So a crack of that magnitude is indicative of a poor foundation, a dangerous place to live, and a place that would come with the potential of many future problems. Foundations are essential. Without a right foundation, you find yourself in danger. What is the foundation of Christianity? Of our faith? What's the foundation of our doctrine, of our practices, of of what we believe as a church? The foundation of our faith is the perfect foundation, the most solid foundation. Jesus Christ, the God-man, His will and story revealed to us in the Bible. John's letter opens by explaining how Jesus is the foundation of three important parts of the Christian faith that He wants to address. And so there's a sense that that Jesus is the foundation of all of our, our faith But I want us to consider how Jesus is the foundation of three particular aspects of our faith that that John wants to address to the church in this letter. But to be able to see that in our text, we first must need to understand how John uses a few words in particular. And so let's kind of cover that before we kind of proceed in our text. The first word that we need to understand what he's referring to is the word which. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. That word which is a singular relative pronoun referring to a person. Well, who is this referring to? Who is the word of life? Who did John touch with his hands and hear? Who was from the beginning? The clear answer here is Jesus. So when John says the word which in our text, he is referring to the person of Jesus Christ. Next we have the word we. John is writing the letter, so so who is the we that he is talking about? Who are the ones who heard and saw and looked and touched? Who was with Jesus through it all? who were commissioned by Jesus to proclaim what it is that they saw as as a testimony, as a witness. We, here is referring to the apostles. John is aligning himself with the other apostles, make sure that that his readers know his authority as an apostle, that that God has given him this authority as an apostle. And finally, the, the last word that we need to consider before we proceed is the word you. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. So who is you? It's the who he is writing this letter to. Who is he writing this to? 
it's not written to a specific church, but rather to churches as a whole, to Christians in general. It's sent it to, he would send this letter to churches all across Asia Minor, which today is, is sort of modern day Turkey. He's writing to anyone who wants to have fellowship with God, anyone who is a, a believer to the church. And so John is writing as an apostle, as an apostle about Jesus to Christians. And he begins in this prologue to tell us how Jesus is the foundation of these three essential parts of the Christian life. And the first that we see here is that Jesus is the foundation of eternal life. So let's walk through this a little bit so I can show it to you. But it may be helpful to know what the Bible means when it talks about eternal life. Eternal life is more than just existing forever. Everyone will exist forever. Unbelievers will will exist eternally. But there is a huge difference between existing forever in hell and existing forever in heaven. It's the difference between eternal death and eternal life. Eternal life is existing forever with all the promises of God. It's enjoying God forever. It's experiencing the fullness of joy that that we will have in eternity with God. Eternal life is so much more than just existing eternally. And this eternal life that we will get to enjoy is founded upon Jesus Christ. Back to our text, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. So Jesus was from the beginning. And so while we will exist eternally, we have not existed eternally. We were created at the moment of our conception when God began to knit us in our mother's womb. There was no sense of us that existed before that moment, but Jesus is different. He exists eternally, past, present, and future. There has never been a moment when Jesus did not exist. He is from the beginning, John says. Jesus, the God-made flesh, walked with and taught disciples. And John was one of these men that Jesus taught who would become an apostle. The apostles saw and heard Jesus. And now, according to verse 2, on the basis of their testimony of Jesus, on the testimony of what they heard and saw in Jesus, they now proclaim to you eternal life. The eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. And so in Jesus exists this eternal life. Think about it. What did Jesus teach them about eternal life? What did they hear and see and are now proclaiming to you? Well, fortunately, the same author that wrote this letter wrote a gospel. 
He wrote down what he learned from Jesus. He wrote down what he saw and heard. So what did John write as as part of his testimony about Jesus, about what Jesus said and did concerning eternal life? What What did John see and hear about eternal life? John 3, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. To the woman at the well in in John 4, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And John saw the, the power of Jesus to be able to give life. He raised Lazarus from the grave and said this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. From John 11. And then at the beginning of of the high priestly prayer in, in John 17, Jesus prayed this. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Over and over and over, John sees it and hears it. Jesus is the way to eternal life. It's founded upon Him. And so John is going to write his gospel so that people would come to faith in Jesus and receive this eternal life. To know the gospel message that Jesus died to pay the penalty of sin. That He rose from the grave showing that He has power over death. And John made his purpose for writing his gospel very explicit He said that in in John chapter 20, he said, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so he wrote his gospel so that people would be saved through believing in Jesus and thus receiving eternal life. His aim in writing his gospel was evangelism. Well, what about his letter? What is his purpose in in writing this letter of of 1 John? He tells us in chapter 5, 1 John 5. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So John writes his gospel so that people will believe and receive eternal life. He writes his letter so that those who do believe can know for certain that they will receive eternal life. And so this book is going to give us some tests, some evaluations in order for us to see if our faith is true, to see if if our our, our belief in in Jesus is genuine, to know whether or not we are are genuinely following after Jesus Christ, that we may know that we have eternal life. And so moving forward in this book, we must know that Jesus is the foundation of Jesus eternal life. That truth will help us interpret everything else that John says concerning eternal life. And we will see that theme constantly. And John wants us to know with certainty 
that we truly believe in Jesus and have eternal life in his name. I think it's only fitting then for, for John, the one who spent so much of his time dwelling on eternal life, teaching on eternal life, that he would be the one who would get a glimpse of eternal life and write down that glimpse in the book of Revelation. And that assurance of eternal life, the hope of glory, it changes everything. It changes how we live our lives. John Bradford, Bradford was a reformer who stood for the truth of the gospel, that we are saved by grace alone in Christ alone through faith alone. And he would end up being burned at the stake by Queen Mary and the Roman Catholic Church for holding fast to those truths and refusing to deny them. Bradford, less than five months before his fiery departure, wrote a friend of the glories of heaven that he anticipated, knowing that, that he would soon die for his faith. And this is what he wrote. He said, I am assured that though I want here, I have riches there. Though I hunger here, I shall have fullness there. Though I faint here, I shall be refreshed there. And though I be accounted here as a dead man, I shall there live in perpetual glory. He had assurance of eternal life and it impacted him. He refused to recant of true doctrine. He stood boldly for the gospel and he died knowing that his eternity was secure. Friends, that's what John wants for us in this letter, for us to know that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ and for that to impact us like it did for Bradford. To give us the tools to honestly look and evaluate our lives, to look at our faith, to see if it's true, so that we can have this kind of hope. And friends, Jesus is the foundation of it. Jesus is the foundation of eternal life. I mentioned that there are some evaluations that John is going to give us in this letter to, to help us know if our faith is genuine. One of them that he's going to give us is, is that we, whether or not we love our brothers, that is, whether or not we love Christians. In this book, God is, uh, John is going to talk a lot about fellowship. And so as we look at the love that we share with Christians, it's important to know from this, this prologue that Jesus is the foundation of fellowship. That Jesus is the foundation of fellowship. So John says that he is proclaiming what he has learned from the, his time with Jesus. Eternal life is found in him. And now he is going to tell us why he is telling us what he has learned from Jesus concerning eternal life. So verse 3. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. There is a relationship, a partnership that we have with the Father and His Son, Jesus, that is the foundation of the relationship and partnership that we have with each other. That word fellowship comes with it, this idea of, of a shared life. It's far deeper than something like a business partnership. 
We are one in spirit. We are together, united with God. There's a famous British writer who was leaving Liverpool by ship. And he noticed as he walked up to board the ship that there were other passengers already on the board, uh, on board the ship who were waving at family members and friends below on deck. And so he, he went over to a little boy and he said this, he said, would you wave to me if I paid you? And of course the boy agreed to do this. The writer then rushed on board and leaned over the rail, glad to have someone wave back at him. It's perhaps a silly story, but I think it illustrates well that, that everyone experiences times of loneliness, of feeling unloved. You'll hear me when I say this. Christians, we always have access to genuine fellowship with God and with each other. And this is, I think, one of the hardest things about this coronavirus and the social distancing. Because right now, people are struggling. Right now, people are lonely. They are in financial stress. They are getting sick. And, and it's also a time that we don't get to experience the fullness of fellowship by being together. We don't get to hug each other's necks and we don't get to, to hold each other's hands and, and pray for the suffering. That's why I've encouraged you to, to try to reach out in other ways through phone calls, texts, letters, messages, social media. You know, do anything you can to stay connected. We can't replace being together, but, but we, we can do our best given the circumstances. And we must do these things. We must remain connected. We must be in fellowship with one another because fellowship is so very important for our Christian faith our walk with Jesus. That's why it's so unthinkable for a Christian to display hatred towards another Christian. Because we are a source of hope and of life and encouragement to each other. John wants to unite Christians around the truth that he's telling them here. Back to verse 3. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. If they go after these false doctrines found in Gnosticism and engage in, in the pride that it entails, they are breaking fellowship with John. If they abandon the faith, they are no longer in fellowship with John. And John wants them to remain in fellowship with him to be a part of this shared Christian walk. What's the foundation of it? What's the foundation of your relationship to me and to the other members of our church and to all Christians? John says, indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Our relationship is founded upon the most firm foundation, Jesus. We are in fellowship with Jesus, therefore we are in fellowship with each other. And when that happens, when we are resting in the truth of eternal life, and we are enjoying fellowship, and the result is joy. So the last thing that we see is that Jesus is the foundation of joy. 
Karl Marx, who's the father of Marxism, wrote this. He said, the first requisite for people's happiness is the abolition of religion. The Apostle John has a very different take. Verse 4. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Our, here the word our, refers not just to the apostles. It's their joy and the recipients of the letter. So that our joy, Christians' joy, all of our joy may be complete. And Jesus is the foundation of it. True joy is only found in relationship with Jesus Christ. I like the way that Martin Lloyd-Jones says it. He says it like this. Joy is something very deep and profound. Something that affects the whole and entire personality. In other words, it comes to this. There is only one thing that can give true joy, and that is a contemplation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He satisfies my mind. He satisfies my emotion. He satisfies my every desire. He and His great salvation include the whole personality and nothing less. And in Him I am complete. Joy, in other words, is the response and the reaction of the soul to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. John wants his readers to experience the joy that comes when you root yourself in Jesus Christ. When you are sure of the eternal life that you have in Him. When you are in fellowship with those who share that same life. The Christians look forward to eternal life. Be sure of it in your life. Enjoy fellowship with God and each other. And when you do, you will experience the joy that God intends for you. And we need this now more than ever. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know what that joy looks like, then look to Jesus, the only one who can forgive you of your sin and offer you eternal life. Repent and believe in Him, and you will live. Let's pray. God, I pray that we are able to live with joy in our lives because we are rooted in You, because we have assurance of our salvation, assurance and longing and hope in the eternal life that You provide us and your son, Jesus, and because we are in fellowship with you and our fellow believers. May God give us that joy. Help us in those things. Help create in our hearts a longing for the eternal life that we get to share with you. And Father, help us share that truth, those truths with others. As John proclaimed them and sought to see people have eternal life, may you give us the desire to, to share those truths with others as well. We look to you, we hope in you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Uh, join us in singing how